When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. You might know AJ, you might know Megan, you might know Rudo. You also might know our new host of the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, Eric Lacroix. (laughs) Eric, we're super excited to have you with us. It's going to be a great season. Cannot wait for all of your insight as a player for not just the Avs, but in the NHL for a good long while there. What's it like being on this side instead of on the working in the NHL side? Well, I love it. But first and foremost, thank you to everybody. I mean, uh, AJ, yourself, Megan, and everybody here at DNVR. Very excited to uh, jump on board with you guys. It's uh, it's something I enjoy. I, I you know I told you guys the other day I can talk hockey all day long, and that's actually that's not 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 I can I do. <laughs> that's what I do at home and. I think my wife became your new best friends right now. I guess now I don't, you know, get to bore her and I get to talk <laughs> with you guys about hockey. And uh, so it's kind of nice. And my daughter, throw my daughter in there too. Like she's not a big hockey fan. So, but uh, no, I'm excited. It's, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. Obviously done it a little bit the last few years um, on the TV side. Never done this, uh, you know, the, the podcast side of things. But We're way more fun. Way, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's awesome. And. Obviously, with uh, all the sports uh, around town right now, it's been outstanding to be a Denver sports fan. And, you know, whether you're a Buffs fan or Nuggets or Avalanche and, you know, Rockies and Nuggets, I mean, the list goes on, right? So it's awesome to talk sports, and I'm just super excited to begin a new journey with you guys. So We're happy to have you, for sure. Thank you. Look, it's appropriate because training camp not too far away we have cool things like rookie tournaments nowadays that i don't think you guys really had back in the day but what's that what's that feeling like going into training camp especially for some of these young kids what was your first training camp like yeah it's exciting Uh, i'll give you a little bit of background on 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 my background when i was younger my dad was uh before becoming uh, a gm in the nhl he was an agent for 25 years so You've been around it. Been around it uh, my whole life growing up with, you know, I'll use names that you guys know, like the Patrick Waz and, you know, guys like that in the in the living room. So me being younger, I always kind of try to soak up a little bit of everything and, you know, about what's it like to be a pro athlete and why does one guy make it and then a guy doesn't make it. And, you know, obviously we can, I mean, we could do a full show on that. Uh, we probably will. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are great things to have. I was very fortunate to, to, to have these things right in my face, my brother and I, uh, to have that right in front of us. And, uh, took a little bit of a different path back then, obviously being from Montreal, uh, you know, again, I'm, I don't want to, offend anybody with a mecca of hockey and then uh, we say that all the time in canada because we want to piss the people from toronto off and and then uh you know we uh my brother and i took a different path we we left home and we went to play prep school hockey in massachusetts in boston so really uh different route really something you don't see a lot uh you still don't see a lot of that uh but you see it more and more back then is really unheard of and people thought that my dad was crazy and 
uh, you know, but I, at the end of the day, I my brother went to to prep school because he wanted to go, and my aunt I'd gone to prep school before. I've always told my brother like you should go prep school. Uh, you know, it's fun. And my brother's a big movie buff, and if you remember the movie Dead Poets Society came out, and so my brother was like, "Oh, this is cool. I want to go to prep school." So, kind of went that way. I just followed a couple years later. Had nothing to do with hockey. I was a small. Uh, uh, again, that's another podcast. I was a small guy. My sophomore year in high school went there. I played in the fourth line. I scored one goal that year, and I, uh, I went off my butt in the last game of the season. So junior year, I was six feet tall, a little bit bigger, a little bit taller. My senior year, I was 6'2", got drafted in the NHL. So there's no right or there's no book out there for parents or kids that think that it's actually done one way. It's not. Uh, so I was drafted in the NHL. Obviously, went the college route. I went to St. Lawrence University for a season and a half. I I felt that for me to 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 keep going as a player, I had to sign and go pro. Uh, I felt that my development. I even though I told my mom and my dad I would go back to school, I never <laughs> did. Uh, so, I, but to this day now, there's another podcast. You know, I, mean, I would <laughs> go back to school. Up, We're right? stacking them up right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I always said that I would go back, and, and I never did. But hence your question, you know, going to training camp. Now here I am. I know what to expect. I'm drafted by Toronto Maple Leafs, so I I was lucky enough, actually, my sophomore year I signed. Obviously, it was during the playoffs. Again, that's another story. Uh, Denver sports fans will know Mark Crawford, you know, obviously the ex-Avalanche coach was my coach in the minors. And, you know, I got lucky enough to, to go all the way to the Calder Cup Finals uh, against the Adirondack Red Wings, coached by Barry Melrose. A lot of Red Wings, uh, you know, future players like Marty LaPointe, Keith Primo. I mean, it, the list goes on. It was an unbelievable I, I got to taste it a little bit, got to, you know, uh, which I, I believe is so valuable. Uh, and then my first training came, came in September, and like I said to you, my dad had been an agent. I knew everything. I was expecting everything. And I just went out there and I froze. I did. It's, <laughs> it is hard. It is different. It is like, even though some kids don't know what to expect. And, you know, obviously the development camps have been huge over the years. And obviously working in management, I can tell you that I, I'm for it or against it. Um, you know, we'll talk about that too at some point. But uh, I just felt that I... Uh, I went there thinking I was ready. was not at all. It is overwhelming. You go there, and there's, those guys are right next to you, and you're getting dressed with them. And, and it is a different pace, and it is a different mindset. So for those guys coming up, some of them were here, which I think is good and, you know, in July or whatever, to get to meet some staff members and get to know one another too, you know what I mean? And it's a different world. Back then, we didn't have those devices and social media to, you know, to talk. We just, we showed up and we, we really didn't know anyone basically, or you knew a couple guys. And, and that's why my experience in the American league in the, in the spring was valuable. You get there, you know, some guys, but yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting for, for those kids coming up and it's exciting for the players coming up. It's exciting for a lot of them, a little bit of redemption, maybe, you know, for, for veteran players, but, uh, but it is totally different. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the rookie camps or the rookie tournaments like coming up here in, uh, in Vegas there, uh, if I go back to mine, uh, I, I'm going to be brutally honest. We, uh, we didn't finish the games. I mean, <laughs> we would play the Leafs against Detroit, and they wouldn't have enough guys on the bench by the end of the second period. They would just call the game over. Wow. You know, this is over. There's only four guys on each side, and... So there's a little bit of a different era, and then uh, I think those games were 
so different nowadays than they were back then. And I think hockey's evolved, obviously, with it's so much more skilled and fast. And you know, but it was so different back then because those rookie games were absolutely useless when you ask me. You know what I mean? It was kind of stupid. And but you know, we have to go through them, and that's what we did. Survived. We su- I, I survived. I'm here. You know. <laughs> uh, Pretty quickly, you became a journeyman in the NHL. Yep. Uh, started in Toronto, went to LA after that, uh, and then you came here. Yep. What was that experience like? First of all, getting into the NHL and, and moving around a little bit, but secondly, obviously getting to play with some of the some of the greats in Colorado, and then playing under your father. As yeah, well. yeah, which is unusual too. You know that <laughs> only a couple people have done it. One's the late Peter McNabb, but we'll get to that in a second. But uh, yeah, I, I obviously being drafted by Toronto is excited. I think that you you put your heart and soul into your training, into everything. And obviously me was leaving school and I felt that it was the right time for me to become a player. And um, and I, you, you go out there and my first year I played the whole year in the American League, which is a huge, huge... I mean, you gotta love the music in the background. Right? So, yeah, the story got a soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, wait till you hear it in season. Yeah, it's, yes, uh... it's nice. No, no, it's, uh, it was exciting. Uh, my whole first year was in the minors, which I think is imperative for people in in, in Loveland with the Eagles. And uh, I, I think if you're not a a top end guy, like even top end guys need some time down there. But it is an unbelievable experience. And and even to this day, some of your closest friends are guys from the minors. It's different because usually you're younger and you, you don't have kids. You know, and not that kids are. I got three kids. I'm or I'm not going against because I'm saying it's just different. You hang out together all day long. It's yeah. just that, you know on the bus rides that are you know way longer. You're not on planes. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's a little different, right? You play a lot of cards. You get to know one another. And again, we didn't have those things, so everybody was talking back then. So, but you 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 go hard and you're you're so excited. Then my second year, I made the team out of training camp, and then got sent down. Then I got called back up. Pat Burns, late Pat Burns was my coach. And there's a guy that I'd known, obviously, in Montreal growing up because my dad had a lot of players and with the Canadians. And so I was excited to, to play for him. I got called up, which is an unbelievable feeling. I was at the airport in Newfoundland. And uh, actually, we, back then, that division was, uh, you know, Halifax, St. John's, Newfoundland, PEI. So all those, you know, a lot of Cape Breton, a lot of teams that are right now in the queue, right? Yeah. Uh, it was our division in the American League. So we always had to go through Halifax. So we, we, we landed in Halifax. We're going somewhere to Cape Breton. And C- Crawford told me, he says, here's your ticket. You're actually going to Anaheim. So I don't know if you're... <laughs> That's I'm a not long flight. It was a long that flight. A you long know what flight. I mean? So I was excited. I was pumped and met the team in Anaheim. And of course, you know, they always fly your parents and stuff like that. It was fun to see my parents there and warm up. And so it's your first game. It's something you dream of. And I, I played a few games, got injured, separated my shoulder. So I was out for two months. And then came back in the playoffs. And actually, if you go back in the Leafs in 93, 94, 94, 90, those were uh, uh, 92, 93, 93, 94. Those were the big uh, the series that made all the way to the semis, right, against Gretzky and the Kings. And Kings, you know, Wayne scoring three goals and in that game seven, telling his dad, like, was, you know, by the glass. So, so I was part of those teams in Toronto. Not that I played a lot, but I did play some games in the playoffs. It was an you know, awesome time. And the next year, I made the team out of training camp again. And, and then the lockout started of 94. So I did rent an apartment in downtown Toronto. And, um, you know, I was all excited. And then I got the phone call that I didn't have to clear waivers. Would you like to go to Newfoundland? And I'm like, oh, God. 
<laughs> you know, sure. I mean, we didn't know what to expect, right? We didn't know. It was one of those lockouts night, but we didn't know what was going on. And so I went down to Newfoundland and, uh, you know, for a day. And then I got a phone call after one game. And, uh, you know, it was Cliff Fletcher saying I'd been traded to the LA Kings. And, and I tell you one thing, it's the worst feeling in the world when you're and probably the best thing that ever happened to me. But at the time, <laughs> at the you're moment, so yeah. mad. You're so disappointed. It's a sense of failure. It's a sense of rejection. And those guys don't like me. Maybe I didn't do anything, you know. And it was hard. And I, you know, then I got the phone call from from L.A. And then uh, Rogi Vashon at the time was there with Sam McMaster. And then Rogi said to me, he goes, hey, you don't have to clear waivers. Would you like to go play in the IHL right now? So I flew to Phoenix. You know what I mean? So then Phoenix in the IHL. So it was crazy few days. And then I ended up down there and... Uh, I tell you one thing, like it was great. I didn't know a soul. I broke my hand. I lost a couple of knuckles. I mean, you're missing a couple there, but slap shot. And then uh, I didn't know anyone. Kid, the team went on an 18 day road trip. And then <laughs> here I was in Phoenix. I don't know anyone. <laughs> and I went to see the movie Dumb and Dumber by myself. That's the only movie I've ever gone to my, by myself in my life. And then it was the greatest movie ever. But. And then, uh, yeah, I called up when the lockout ended. I went to L.A. It was awesome. And, and like you said, it was, uh, um, it was a great few years. Rob Blake being uh, my roommate, my housemate, yeah. took care of myself. He was awesome. And uh, we had an older team there, very old, and, you know, for, for the standards of the NHL at the time. And, and then you get another phone call one day, and it's my GM, Sam McMaster, that uh, is telling me yeah, that. On the move again? Yeah, I was in the hot tub in the summer, and I really <laughs> thought it was Rob Blake calling me because he was home visiting his parents, and we had the hard lines back then, right? No cell phones, so the hard line, and the cordless phone came in in the hot tub and said, hey, uh, it's Sam McMaster, the GM, and I'm like, Sure, and I'm thinking it's Rob, you know what I mean? So it didn't go well. I'm making fun of my GM. No. <laughs> Not good. You know? Not good. It's a true story. And then now we and know why like, you were traded. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like then he's like, No, no, this is a serious conversation. And then I remember and then, and then it kinda hit me. I was like, Oh my god, it's June. It's four o'clock, whatever it is in St. Louis. That's when the Saint, the draft was in St. Louis. I'm like, Oh my god, I oh my god, I got traded. You know what I mean? And I did. And then he goes, Well, you know where you're going and I'm like I'm, I'm sorry. No, I got a little bit of anger in me. And I said, well, I, how the hell would I know where I'm going? You know, he's like, well, you know. And I was like, no, I don't know. Like, I, I, I really don't know. Now I'm getting pissed off, you know. <laughs> and then he said, well, the, you know, Colorado Avalanche. And then I was like, what? Like, where? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you didn't know? And I'm like, no, how am I supposed to know? You know what I mean? And then obviously, you, you know, you, you, you think because the father and son then, Solely different. My mom had no idea, actually, and you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was awesome. And uh, you know, obviously, coming here was outstanding. And my wife's from here, married a girl here from town, and three kids. The kids were born here, and obviously, ended up leaving later on. That's that's a different podcast. We'll go back to that line again. That's a different podcast. And then, uh, but yeah, I was fortunate uh, to to play for a long time and to make a living, and then to to join the management group. And here I am today. AJ, Megan, jump in. Any any questions you guys have? I mean, not really. I've known Eric for a while yeah. now. So. Fair enough. No, it's... Not right now. Okay. I'm taking a lot of mental notes. Sure. Let's, uh, let's go here, then. I, you are a self-proclaimed journeyman yep. in the NHL. Sure. 
How do you view your experiences in the league compared to some of the stars? Modern would be like a McKinnon. Obviously, you played with Wayne Gretzky, which yeah. we'll talk about later. But what's, what's the difference between you and them? Very simple. I mean, I tell young kids all the time whether it's, it's a great question, by the way. Um, I think superstars, uh, everyone has pressure to play, uh, obviously, pro sports. Um, but, but a superstar's got the pressure, and people talk about the money all the time, and they make so much money. And, but what it is that, unless you've lived it, it, it's hard to understand, but it's the pressure that those guys have. You know? And that's why I raise my hat to, uh, you know, two of the greatest for me, like, you know, like Sackick, Forsberg, and, and I'm going back to older names, you know, obviously Nate now and, you know, Gabe, those guys. But it's, it's those guys did it day in and day out. And every every spring, I mean, they would just be there, and they would reach the conference finals or, or the finals or win it. And and the pressure that comes with it is unbearable at times, and it's it's a lot. It's a lot to see, and you can see it in their faces. And 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 yes, it thr- it's also something that makes them their heart tick, and you know, it's what makes them go. Uh, where a journeyman like myself, it's 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 more like the pressure of. You just want to stay in the lineup, right? And and there's a big difference. And I think that once you learn to control the controllables, you become a better player, and then you become more um, a career guy where you're not just coming up for a cup of coffee. And and it's hard. I mean, I've seen it my whole life. Guys come up and they're so nervous, and and they want to do too much, or they or they want to be. Uh, something that they're not and I think that knowing how to evaluate yourself as a player is extremely hard because everyone's a good player everyone works hard I mean you don't get a cookie for that I mean (laughs) it's a given but you have to learn how to adapt and to to, to be part of that nest that piece of the pie and and go back to the heyday of the avalanche you know you had you know Sackick Forsberg and I'm talking about back then and, and even nowadays I'll, I'll compare it but and then your third line center was Stefan yelled you know scored five goals a year whatever it was I'm not downplaying it it's just that was his nest but if you go back to his career Stefan yells a hundred point guy in juniors Guy Carbonell in Montreal those years like they're all those are guys that scored 70 80 90 goals in juniors per season and and you get to the NHL, you have to find your niche, your nest, and that's what's going to give you longevity. And and I think guys here have have known how to you know to do that too, right? Because it's not easy to play behind McKinnon, and and they, yep. the good ice is not always there. Those guys get the good ice, and they should because they're better than everybody else, and they produce. And in order to produce, you have to have the ice. If you don't have the good ice, it's tough to produce. I'll tell you that. I mean, I've had my last few seasons. Hey, it's hard. You don't get on the ice, and you're on the bench. You might get two scoring chances in, like, three weeks. And if you don't bury them, boy, it's a long three weeks. You know what I mean? And then it wears on you, right, mentally, and it's hard. And so I think that the, 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 the best way to answer your question is those guys are – Boy, oh boy, they know how to handle the pressure, and they know how to handle the pressure in the playoffs now. It's something that Nate's gotten to, you know, learn over, and this team yep. has gotten to learn. And and back then, you had the sacking and the force, but you know, they knew how to win in the playoffs. And I, and I do believe it comes with getting the right mix of guys. And you know, there's some guys that you know are brought in at the right time, and it changed the culture of a team. And and I think that that's what you know. Those guys here in Colorado have been able to do the last couple of years, and now you know you're coming to Colorado, where they had lost that identity a little bit. Over, I mean, it's hard to get that for 25 years, right? 
So you, you lose it, they got it back. And, and you come here, you know you're supposed to win. You know the expectations. You know the demands of day in and day out. And, and some guys can't do it. Some guys can't do it. And that's why they're, they get traded here or they get traded to an environment like this. And, and it just doesn't work. And people are like, how come it didn't work? You know, well, that's why. Some people are not used to it. They're not used to that daily grind. And so I think that the Avalanche right now, they got that swag and that grind. What's the biggest difference between the winning teams and the losing teams that you've been on? Again, good question. I, if I go to, uh, you know, I, I was in L.A. And, and we had unbelievable players. Guys that had won cups like Wayne and Yari Curry and Marty McSorley, Charlie Huddy. I mean, the list goes on. They were all ex-Edmonton guys. Obviously, you know, a lot of people have followed Wayne, you know, from Edmonton to L.A. But, and I remember that, you know, they had traded some guys. And obviously, uh, the year I got traded here, that's the year that Wayne got traded to St. Louis. And, um, and we just had no identity as a team. And I remember coming here and, you know, showing up with this team that had just won the Stanley Cup, right? This is a team that was... In Quebec, absolutely just all over the map. I mean, they had no identity. They were everywhere. And again, I always go back to that. They had great ingredients, no recipe. And that was the problem with the Quebec Nordiques. And then obviously they, they learned that season before coming here against the Rangers in the playoffs there. They got that six-game series. They learned that, you no, know, they were good. And then they moved here. And these guys all of a sudden, you know, believed that they had um, something. And then... They won the whole thing, and then I got here that summer, and I remember seeing the difference right away. And Peter McNabb asked me, I think my first interview when I got here, and he said, what's the difference? Exact same question, and, and it's a bit of a cliche answer, but in L.A., we were scared to lose, right? You go into every game scared to lose, and then you show up in Colorado, and you got the Wah and the Lemieux and the Keens and those guys, and, and all of a sudden, you expect to win every night. It's expected that you're going to win every night. It's a different mindset. makes you play different. And I think that obviously teams that are winning in this league have that mindset. If you go in there, it's a, such a fine line between winning and losing. If you go in there with that mindset that you're scared to lose, then it's a, it's a little tough. And, and usually the margin of error is so small, then you end up losing the game. Uh, as your career went on, you eventually played it out and entered into the scouting side of things. How is that transition? What is it like from going from being the talent to... Uh, figuring out who the talent is, I suppose. Yeah, you know what? I, I just, uh, it was my last year here. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, my last year. Obviously, when I left here, I played three years in New York and ended up being in Ottawa at the trade deadline. Uh, being a journeyman, um, I was really excited uh, to, to, to continue my journey and, and to go to a place like Ottawa. Because if you look at that 0-1 season, they were the first, uh, first seed in the East. And everybody was talking about the Avalanche going to be the first seed in the West. And I was like, you know what? That'd be unbelievable if I can just all of a sudden make it to the finals and play these guys in the finals. And, and uh, you know, so for me, it was exciting. Uh, it was a great place to go there. A really young team with, the you know, Marian Hassa and, uh, you know, like uh, Marty Havlat and, uh, you know, Wade Redden. And, you know, they had a couple older guys like Alfredson was just coming into his own. He was a great leader. It was awesome. And they went and got a couple older guys like myself, Curtis Decision, XAV, and Mike Sillinger. And, you know, a bunch of us lived at the hotel uh, for for the, the remainder of the season and the playoffs. And it was funny because it kind of ties into what you just asked me. 
We ended up fitting, fishing uh, first, I believe, that year, in the, obviously right behind the Avs in the standings. And so we were one, and they were one in the West, and uh, we were facing the dreaded Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. And there was a big, uh, I don't want to say it, like I don't know how to say it, but it was that, 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 that inferiority complex with the Leafs uh, that, you know, they had an older team. And, and for some reason... They did. They just struggled every year to play them in the playoffs, the Battle of Ontario, and then the pressure got to them. And I, I do believe it got to the coaching staff. So the as same well. as now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like, nah. it was nuts. And, and and to be honest with you, like we played them game eighty-two of the season, the Leafs. They had to win, and they needed someone to lose in the standings, and uh, or someone you know like to get in or someone sure. to lose we ended up playing at the same time and we played that night with I think 13 players on the roster <laughs> because it was right before playoffs a couple of guys Just were nursing injuries yeah. there was a big snowstorm in Grand Rapids <laughs> guys at Chris Neal yeah. I remember were getting called up they couldn't make it to the game we ended up playing with 13 guys and I think we beat them like 7-1 jeez <laughs> and they had to win you know what I mean it, so it wasn't a throwaway it, game. it was a throwaway yeah. game for us and and just to show you what what it does, the mindset, and, and then the playoffs started, and obviously you had home ice, and game one, I want to say we lost, and then game two, we lost in overtime, and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose, and that was it. Like, we just never recovered, lost four straight to a team that, you know, and again, it was that same thing. I'm sitting in there, and I'm thinking, like, how can we be so weak you know what i mean like to, and i'm not bashing those guys ended up having great careers but you learn through losing and you know those guys learned a lot and and so did i but now as a career it's like oh this is my last year back then like you had you were a free agent at 31 remember the rules were different and i'm like whoa what a year to to be a free agent you know when <laughs> it's just a disastrous that's stats that year it was awful it just didn't go well so all of a sudden like told myself that i would uh Give me the summer to, to figure it out. And then the summer came around, and I'm, you know, now married. And, uh, you know, I just kind of September came around, and I didn't, uh, I didn't have a job. I had a couple two-way contract offers. I didn't want to go back into minors. It's something I didn't want to do. And told my wife, like, you know, I'm at peace with it. If I was done being the good guy, it had been three, four years. I was being the good guy, the good teammate. And, um, and I just felt I had nothing left in my tank to get me out of my hole a little bit to become a player that I was before and I could be helpful to a team. So I felt it was when it's time, time it's to go. Time. It's yeah. time. And it's a funny story because people always, always assume, just like my GM in L.A., that, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, listen, without going into the details, my last name hurt me here as an avalanche. It did. You know what I mean? The way it ended. Um it's not something that I wish on anybody, you know. But at the end of the day, I love being an Avalanche. It was awesome, and, <laughs> and my uh, teammates were great. And it, it, it's just a different something that happened that all of a sudden I needed to go, and uh, I made the decision to go upstairs that day and say, "Shit me out." So it didn't end on good terms, you know what I mean? And and I did things there that I shouldn't have done, meaning like, uh, you know, I, I I acted too quick. To, you know, I should have maybe sat back and, you know, not go back to L.A. because you know, again, I. This is when now it's the father and son talking, and it's like, hey, I'm going back to L.A. now. You know what I mean? And, and looking back at it is maybe I should have listened to him and say, hey, hold on, relax a second. You know, maybe there's other opportunities. This, this is not working out right here for whatever the reasons are. 
which maybe we'll talk about one day. But at the end of the day, let's just breathe. And I said, no, I need to go. You know what yeah. I mean? I need to go. And then it was a monumental, that's on me. That's my fault for being, you know, reacting too quick. And, and you learn in life. And that's one of the lessons I learned there. And then I ended up going to, to the wrong place and, you know, obviously going to L.A. for a little bit, not much. And then obviously finding a better home in, in, uh, in New York. But then it was time for me to go. And I told my team in Ottawa and I said, listen, I'm done. It, it's yep. time for me to retire, and and it's a true story. I ran into Bob Hartley at Park Meadows Mall, and he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I just announced to my team in Ottawa that I'm retiring." And he's like, "What? Well, what do you mean you're retiring?" He's like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I have no idea, but I think it's time for me to do something else." And then, then he kept talking, and he said, "Listen, uh, we had hired Dave Reed, you know, from the O one team that." Uh, to to be uh, in the video room and to be a, you know to, to 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 come and learn the assistant coaching side of things and you know like you'd be perfect because reader can't do it they're starting this thing called NHL Network and you know he's you know whatever so he's going back home and his kids are going to to school in Toronto and you know I was like yeah I mean I've always wanted to get into management coaching and so that was my way in it does happen like that for a lot of people and people assume. But like I told my old men that day, I said, listen, it hurt me, my last name, you know, it, it did. Uh, yeah, but now let's let's make it work. You know what I mean? Like, let's make it help myself. <laughs> yeah. and, and it did that day. You know what I mean? So he's like, hey, whatever you want, whatever Bob wants. So I, that's how I kind of jumped in with the abs. And obviously it was awesome to to go and learn a little bit of everything and coaching and management for, for so many years and, uh, you know, kind of niche a second career that way. Cause that's, that's what I knew, right? That, that's, yeah. that's the, that's what I know. I know hockey, I know the schedule. So it was fun. Were you golfer in the off season? I was till my kids were born. Then I, you know, then I was it. Well, wow. yeah. if you are a golfer yourself, you can get down to broken tea golf course and use code DNVR 10. They get 10% off all your rounds. Broken tea. One of the coolest golf courses around has amazing vibes you got 27 total holes. They're 18 hole championship course. And if that's too much golf, they got a par three course for you too that you can check out. Of course, they have amazing pro shop with all sorts of good gear. They have uh, Wyatt's at Broken Tea as a restaurant. You can have some food after your round uh, and a bunch of experienced teaching professionals if you want to get a lesson or anything like that. Broken Tea has a charity tournament coming up on Friday, September 22nd, where they have a ton of prizes. They're supporting the Bridge House Tri-Cities Homeless Action Team's efforts to open a navigation center that will provide a facility for community members struggling with homelessness. So go out there, go play some golf for a good cause. You can go to BrokenTeagolf.com to make tea times. And again, be sure to use that DNVR10 code to get 10% off any round on their regulation course. And then we're also brought to you by Bet365. Mm. You can get over to Bet365 to make your bets today. I know a lot of people made a lot of money fading me on the buffs the other day. So congrats to the buffs and them for making money for people. I, what They were like minus 21. They were getting 21 points, mm -hmm. and they won that game. So some good money to be made over at Bet365. If you want to get over there, you can sign up today, and you can get two hundred dollars in bonus bets with your new account now you do have to deposit a minimum of ten dollars and you gotta bet at least one dollar when you're on there but once that's done you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets delivered right to your account which you can use 
however you want on any given day, on any given bet. If you want to bet on the Avs to win the cup right now, you can go for it. If you want to uh, bet on the Edmonton Oilers to win a cup, like I suspect Eric might be doing, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, go check them out today if you haven't been over to Bet365. And when you sign up, be sure to use the DNVR365 code to get those $200 in bonus bets when you do. Uh, and, of course, as always, you must be 21 or older. If you're Blazing Bets, you must be located in Colorado. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. Uh, of course, go to Bet365.com for details and more, uh, if you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or text today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. And we're going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Eric. Uh, sure. Got to ask some hard questions for our bet 365 top five. Now, you wanted to be very clear about this. We, we said best teammates. Yes. And this is best teammates, not Best players, correct? That's right. Okay. <laughs> and then with number five, you gave us two answers. Yeah. Although, I, is, does a coach count as a teammate? I, I guess. I don't know. You went with Tony Granato no. and Sylvain Lefebvre. So explain yourself on I'll this one. I'll explain myself here. Yeah. You know what? I've been like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to play with so many great players. Like, uh, you know, that's why I asked AJ, is it best player or best teammate? But at the end of the day, Usually the combo is there for both, you know what I mean? Where if you're a good player, you're a good teammate, and you know. But to answer the the the, the question here, the top five, I went number five. I'm a family guy. I got a wife, three kids. My parents have been married for 55 years back then, and uh, obviously my brother and I were a real tight family. So going into the NHL as a, as a single guy uh, not married and no kids I felt the family environment away from the rink was very big and very important and uh, that's why I put Tony Granado and his wife Linda and the kids uh, obviously my first year in LA um, you know Tony was a big role model for Rob Blake and myself and we we found ourselves going there at least two three times a week at night to get grounded and make sure that you know we were getting a little bit of the home life that that we, we were getting when we were younger and and uh, babysit the kids and you know kind of just kind of have that atmosphere a little bit that you don't have when when you're single and not married and and Sylvain Lefebvre is the same thing ex-Avalanche you know with his wife Mary Claire he was a client of my dad so I've known him since I was probably seven or eight years old and and Sly was a guy that obviously I played with in Toronto. I was lucky enough to have him there as a support system in Toronto. And then uh, obviously he ended up here. I ended up here. Then he ended. Up, I ended up in Rangers. He ended up with me in the Rangers. And then he obviously ended up here on the coaching staff when I was on the management side. So Sly Lefebvre, that's kind of why I put those guys at five there. Those are wonderful family people, wonderful uh, kids, wonderful uh, human beings. And... Uh, you know, again, it's tough to narrow it down to five. I think you could have like a few hundred. You know what I'm I mean? Sure, and yeah. I think the list would be worse if it's like the worst. You know what I mean? And it would be like <laughs> it'd be easy because there's not many bad guys in, the, in my book. There's not many good bad guys in the NHL. We'll put so, that down for tomorrow. Yeah, show, sure, sure. <laughs> That's number five. And then uh, you want me to go to four? Go for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Rob Blake for me, ex Avalanche, uh, is a guy we played together in LA and. You, you, the big farmer, we call him, right? He's just from Simcoe, Ontario, and just 
comes from the farmland and the heart as big as his uh as be is behind on the ice <laughs> like, this guy had a big he had a big ass on the ice and um he was uh a fantastic teammate fantastic guy uh, i got traded to la and it's funny like i said because back then we didn't have those you know those phones and everything and I didn't know anyone in L.A. Barry Melrose picked me up at the airport when the lockout ended and uh, brought me to practice. And so we practiced, and I introduced myself to all the guys in the locker room. Like, oh, Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, oh, no shit. You know, I'm sorry, no crap. You know, like, hey, I'm Eric, you know, like, whatever. But then Rob Blake, it was just so nice. And we got into a little bit of a tussle, like, you know, the year before when I was playing against the Kings. And uh, so after practice ended, I'm sitting there with my luggage, and I'm just kind of like, you know, looking at Barry Melrose, where, where do I go? Like, I, I I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know anyone. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so, which hotel do I go to? He goes, no, no, you're not going to a hotel. He says, you're you're going to Blakey's house. And I'm like, oh. And then I see Blakey over there, and he's walking out the door, and I'm like, hey. And I don't know. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> hey, hey. He's like, oh, what's up? You need something? And I'm like, oh, apparently I'm going to your house. And he's like, you are? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I am. And he's like, all right. So I ended up staying with him for a few years. So, I mean, he was awesome. And you can't ask for a better person, a better teammate. I mean, forget that he's a Hall of, Hall of Famer. But this guy's you're talking about, like, would give you the shirt off his back. And, you know, nothing but great memories of the big boy. <laughs> so if you go to, I mean, you're like, oh, we'll go to three, right? We'll go to three. And then um, this guy's special. Well, I tell you, like, he's special. Mike Keene. And you're talking about the 96 Cup here in Colorado. And the Patrick Waugh trade, right? And people tend to forget a little bit that, you know, Mike Keane was part of that trade. And he was captain of Montreal Canadiens. And uh, this is a guy that didn't score a lot of goals. But I tell you one thing, he's probably the most important guy in that dressing room, you know, of the Avalanche dressing room. I know people hear about the dressing room and everything. And it is a real thing. It is not a fake thing. It's real. But you need the right pieces in there. And, and this guy was was amazing and, it, and if you go back to the success of the avalanche and you know coming from from quebec where they had no success and i, I said it before as you know my dad used to say all the time they had ingredients no recipe uh but at the end of the day he was a key part of 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 going to get a guy like him and then you go back a few months before that trade to claude lemieux going in there so if you do the math and that is a real thing too the montreal canadians influence of the the 70s, it was a big thing uh, for the success of the Avalanche, for the success of the Dallas Stars, for the success of the New Jersey Devils. If you look at Lou, like always surrounding himself with ex-Montreal Canadians, you know, from Larry Robinson, Jacques Leperrier, like the, the Claude Lemieux. I mean, he went to get those guys. That Montreal Canadiens thing, like, was real. And even in, in, in Jersey, the, the Zamboni uh, you know, people, the driver, were dressed the same way as the Montreal Forum. And I'm telling you, it was there. And then the Avalanche, when they went and got Claude, and then obviously Patrick and Mike Keane, now you had that Montreal Canadiens, a way of doing things. Uh, you know, there, there was a way. There was a way of carrying yourself. And you see in Montreal, they carry the torch. And, you know, like it's in the locker room where they say, you, you know, you carry it from one player to the other. And it was big. And Keener was huge coming in here and... For a guy that scored five goals a year, like this guy was amazing, and and I tell you one thing, when he said something, you stood straight, and you know he was this high, and he was as tough as it could be, and uh, I mean, what what a teammate that guy was, and he was all about winning, and he was all about telling you the truth, and sometimes the truth's not fun, 
it's not fun to hear. Um, but he was that guy, and he was that guy that you needed. But he was the guy that would be the first guy to be there after practice to take you out the, the lunch if he if he gave if he leaned he leaned into you. And uh, you know, again, he's he's an amazing player. Uh, he's an amazing guy that did that in Montreal, did that in Dallas afterwards. And you know what? Uh, unbelievable teammate. Unbelievable teammate. Then you go to, what is it, two? Two. All right. Uh, this is probably the nicest man I've ever met in my life. Um, one of the best left wingers of all time. And Adam Graves, I'll tell you one thing, he played like a, boy, was this guy like a Mack truck on the ice. He was tough. And then, you know, such a softy off the ice. Like, it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, my Lord. Like, just, I mean, I, I think it's almost fake because people think, like, this guy's not. There's no way someone can be that nice. And, and it's real. This guy is real. He's nice. It makes you feel like 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 you're so important. And you know whether you're just someone he meets off the street or someone that he signing an autograph after a game or a teammate. This guy just carries himself the way you want your kids one day to carry themselves. And you know, and it doesn't get better than that. But he does it in a calm manner. It's a little different than than Keener. You know, what I mean, he's more calm and he's more like. You know, so so nice and gentle, and and he plays so hard. So it's kind of weird. Like it's almost like a split personality. You know, he's one way off the ice and one way on the ice. And then, uh, but I tell you, like Adam Grace for me is not that we're close. You know, uh, to this day, but whenever I see him, which is not a lot, like, but it's like, it's just like, well, you're so happy to see him. You know what I mean? And it's sure. it's just so fun to. To, to, to get guys like that on your team and it's so important in the heat of the battle and those those long seasons and guys like that make it fun and, and make the memories absolutely last a lifetime so and then number one i mean for not to be confused in what you were saying about best teammate or he's also the best player that's, yeah, for me he's the best player to ever live i mean that, that i'm biased uh and the funny story about wayne is i'm a big new york calendar fan uh, so my dad being an agent, uh, Mike Bossy was uh, one of my dad's clients, and I'm a big New York Islander fan, Mike Bossy fan, Brian Trotche. So I grew up hating, absolutely hating the Edmonton Oilers, and it was just like there was strong hate with a capital H. It, it was <laughs> like I I just make no bones about it, um, and I got traded to LA, and I, I and Wayne like I told him like I absolutely hate you guys, and you know like, it, it was just like. Um, and I think that's why he liked me because I was honest with him. And a lot of people usually are not honest with him. You know what I mean? Sure. And they're scared of him because he's such an icon. But wow, this guy was uh, the way he carried himself, like to his teammates, the way he carried himself to his franchise, his employers, you know, and, and to the National Hockey League. I don't think there's ever been a better ambassador in the league than this guy. I, I mean, when he went to LA and what he did like to transform hockey in California and in the West and obviously having franchises after in Anaheim and San Jose and, you know, even like all the way to Denver. I mean, it's amazing what Wayne did. And, but he was such a, he was such an unbelievable player. He was so much better than anybody else. And I used to look at him and go like, you have a horrible shot. Like you have a bad body. Look at you. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're just like 170 pounds. You can't skate. You know what I mean? Like, how did you get like a few thousand points? Like I don't get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he was that much smarter than all of us out there, and it was amazing about anticipating and and then you talking about pressure and wanting the moment. This guy just never backed down from those moments, and he was awesome. And but the best thing was 
He made you feel like a journeyman. Like, you know, he made you feel like you were the most important guy in the world. You were the most important guy on the bus. You were the most important guy on the team. And, and that's an art to do that. It's not everybody that can do that. And, and I think he wasn't a liar. I think he meant it. You know, maybe, I mean, I hope he meant it. You know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, you know what? He's, he's amazing. He, he's, he takes care of everybody around him. Uh, whether you seem like you know this past year or whatever, it's the same way. It's the same thing. He just takes care of everybody around him, and he's so generous. And and he always has time for people. He always has time for. I mean, I'm telling you, we would get in like at you know sometimes. I don't know. You're going to Winnipeg. It's two in the morning on a back-to-back night. People, fans are outside the hotel, freezing, just waiting for him. And he just sign everybody's autograph. And you know, it would have been easy to just walk through. And you know, but it's always. I think he, he, he did say, it like, you know, it's important to be uh, a role model for the league. And I think he got that from Gordie Howe, right? Gordie Howe passed that along to him. And I think that he took that as a very important piece of his career. And for me, like, I, people always say, no, I didn't see the best player. Who's the best teammate? I always say, yeah, yeah, 99. He's the best teammate I've ever played with, without a doubt. Um, and he is the best player I've ever played with. And, you know, no offense to Joe and those guys and, you know, because I think he's just in a class by himself. I think the record book says it, and it's a different era and all that stuff. But, you know, for me, there's only one Wayne Gretzky, and there's only going to be one. So that's off. Sums it up. Yeah. Uh, that was Eric Lacroix's top five best teammates when he was playing in the NHL. Uh, fascinating to me is, is someone on more of the outside. It really is interesting to see how much of those teammates and bonds are formed, not necessarily on the ice, but yeah. with the rest of your time together as a team or as a roommate or as yeah. however it may end up being. Um, I did want to get back to your, your scouting career a little bit. Yep. Uh, the three of us on this pod are, are pretty analytically inclined. Yep. First of all, was that really in vogue at all when you were a, a scout in the, in the two thousands and where do you stand on the, the eye test versus analytics? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, you know what? I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys here and tell you that I'm a big analytics guy. I'm not. Um, uh, do I believe in it? Yes. You know, what I mean, do I think it's the only thing? No. Uh, do I think it's a tool that's being used for to better understand the market of players and all? Absolutely. I think you have. I mean, the game was different 30 years ago than it is today. So I think you have to evolve with everything. And I think that uh, me jumping in, like after playing, I went into coaching side of things. And and if you go back that year to to be completely honest, it's what you do is you were doing the scoring chances, like not the way they do it on, you know, ESPN or 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 the, the Avs broadcast. Sure. say, oh, this period was five four scoring chances. No, I'm talking about each coach had their own little, you know, way they wanted to do it. Like Bob was more about like, you know, from the goalpost to to the dots, you know, going across, and that was a scoring chance. Um, and what we did, and again, it was VHS to VHS back then. It wasn't that easy. Now it's really easy. <laughs> Just you send know? the file. He so says, we yeah. would look, and next morning of a game, so it's a grueling day to be a coach in the NHL. There's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I mean, those guys work hard. You know what I mean? And and there's a lot of time being put in there. So back then, we would look, and you look at that scoring chance, and it's Joe that got it from. And the first, uh, you know, guy that made the pass was, I say, Forsberg, you know, the, the, the biggest, uh, I don't know how you say it, but the, the main guy on the play. 
Uh, and then the second guy was maybe, uh, you know, Sandis Ozelinch off, off the pass, off the breakout. So then it was 19, 21, 8. And then we had a system of obviously scoring chances against. And we would add those things up. And in the game, you know, Joe might have had like a plus 5 game, you know what I mean? Or a plus 7 or... You know, and then those guys would end up after 80 games, you know, plus 400, 500, you know. So it's kind of like a little bit of the analytics of today. I mean, it's just so much raw compared to what <laughs> sure. it is now, right? But it's somewhere, somehow it's the same thing, it, you know, because guys would come in and go like, well, I haven't scored in, in like eight games, you know, then it's easy to look at back then and say, well, yeah, you're not even generating chances. It's a lot like the analytics of today, right? So... Somewhere, somehow, it was there, and I just felt that after a year in the coach, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's maybe I like to do something else, and that's why I said, well, maybe I'll take advantage of my last name here, you know what I mean? And 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 you know, because it's not easy to get a job in uh, in the front office anywhere. I mean, but yeah. again, I do believe that if you're a good person and you do the right things, and opportunities will come, and you know, and guys, that's kind of how it's happened over the years, and for everybody in the league, and I just felt that. Maybe I, you know, starting a young family, I, I don't want to be in the coaching. It's a little different. You got to go and, you know, do the same thing that I did as a player, which is to go into minors and make your way up. And, and I felt that, you know, moving might be a little, you know, like everywhere, every couple of years. There's no job stability, right? So I, Craig Billington and myself were, you know, obviously he was dealing with the goalies. And, you know, my old man said to us, like, hey, I'll give you guys a Harvard education of uh, the front office if you want. You guys do whatever you want for a couple of years and, um, obviously with a plan and that's what we did so I mean we'd spend some time in development and I think that's where Biller fell in love with development and you know like that side of things and uh, we would spend you know some time with the the front office the, the ticket the, the, the ticket people in, in in Pepsi Center at the time and or corporate sponsorships and then you know obviously you go spend a couple of weeks with the team and just follow the team and then a couple of weeks with uh, you know, prospects and juniors. I remember going to see Johnny Boychuk and, you know, hanging out with him for a few weekends and, you know, some of our higher draft picks. And so it was kind of fun. And uh, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to, to do that for so many years. And and then obviously even at my own team in the Central Hockey League back then, and, you know, because of that next lockout, everybody was like, oh, you have to own your teams and develop. And that's kind of a buddy of mine here in town. That's kind of what prompted us to, to go and do a... Uh, uh, Central Hockey League franchise. We yeah. were actually uh, bought the rights in Grand Junction, you know, so we could have a little rivalry with the Eagles down the street, and that didn't <laughs> uh, work. And couldn't be, you know, couldn't build a building there. And it was a kind of a different, uh, you know, deal with city councils and stuff like that. It didn't go through. And then they told us that Prescott Valley, Arizona, was there, so we kind of jumped on that one and, you know, build the Arizona Sun Dogs and you know, kind of have that seamless development path and and then go there and make your own mistakes a little bit where it's less magnified than the nhl mistakes and yeah so it was kind of fun and then i realized then and then like oh you know what i i am uh i'm a bottom of the lineup guy i'm not a main guy i'm not and that's you know same thing to evaluate yourself as a player's heart but even in management like and my dad was about to step down everybody was thinking that you know oh maybe oh oh he's the guy that's going to take over or you know sort of speak and my intentions were never to do that i'm i'm a secondary guy i'm a guy that you know help being with others and help out kind of like what i'm trying to do with you guys here and and uh it, it was never meant for me in the cards like to to do that and uh you know it, it takes special people to do that job, it's not easy. Uh, it's not fun at times, and uh, I don't think it fit my personality. And I just kind of, 
got lucky and over the years and you know after that to, to kind of go with a couple different teams and you know scouting world in calgary was awesome too it's brad trelleving and how do you build those relationships it's you know through the central hockey league brad was the sure we were gary Bettman of the central hockey league so it's all intertwined everybody's all intertwined and everybody's all together right and you know that's kind of how you form relationships and i've been fortunate enough to have good relationships in in my life in hockey and you know and opportunities came and and, and they've always been fun Somewhere in the conversation surrounding analytics are the qualities that players have that can't be quantified. You talked about the perhaps understated contributions of Mike Keane in the room. I was wondering if you could expand on what it is that he brings to the table that is so valuable to a team away from the ice. Yeah, that's a good question, and you're right. And that's where analytics for me, like you can't, but you can't measure it. There's, there's no, I don't think there's any values to do it, right? You know what I mean? Because you can't. Uh, uh, the way a guy plays on the ice or breaks a puck out of the defenseman, there's a value to it, right? There's, you know, there's a, whatever it's called. But when it's when it's some things you don't see, the tangibles you don't see. And Mike Keane, for example, was more like he just had the ability to to calm things down. Let's say if you have an inexperienced team and it's the first period and and you're in the playoffs, for example, and you're down one nothing in the series and you're down that period and you're like, oh my god, if we go in that hole, and you're down two nothing. You know, it's a tough hole to get out of. And, and, and you need guys to be able to set, you know, to, to, to express to the team that, hey, we still have 40 minutes. There's still this. And, but sometimes you have to have been there. And guys like that have been through the trenches and the wars of, of those situations. And sometimes, like, you just never been there. You know what I mean? Like guys like Nate or whatever a couple of years ago. And, you know, they're, they, you, you don't know. And you need that guy that's going to come in and have that presence. And, and that I've been a guy like Cogliano has probably been very helpful, right, over the last couple seasons for those matters. And and I think the Avalanche, for example, needed that back then. Um, the, the the foots and the, uh, you, you know I love footy, you know, but at footy is more like ah, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, and just kind of lose it, you know what I mean. Where sometimes you need a guy like Keen to, you know, he is losing it, but is in his own way. And then I think Foot learned from that, learned from the Patrick and and the Claude and and the footies, I mean, and the Keens. And, and, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you go out there, you feel better about yourself as a player, but also as a team for the second period. And then all of a sudden, things go differently, and then you end up winning the game. Now you're in a 1-1 series, you're going home, or you're going on the road, or whatever it is. And those things are, are not measurable. But, but you have to be uh, a guy that does and says the right things. Because if you're not saying the right things, then that could be just as detrimental. And there's been guys like that, too. You know what I mean? They go in there and, you know, it's, it's, it's really not working. You know what I mean? So that, that for me, that's the piece that analytics misses. And I think that AJ knows what I'm going to say here because I've had that conversation with him in the press box before. And I think you get a lot of your info on in the press boxes by going to games and, and by talking to you know guys that are now, I don't know, scouting for Columbus. He used to be a coach, and he had whatever Mike Keane as a you know what I mean as, as a co and then you get to get a lot of information about guys and and I think that's where you you do a lot of scouting is a lot management you know it's a lot yes it's a lot of watching games and and, and nowadays what they watch so much games on video now and, and like I said it, it, the analytics and everything and if you want to see uh Ross Colton an acquisition they made this summer 
uh, you can just be in the office right here in Denver and you you click on on Ross Colton and you say I want to watch his last 20 games and all of a sudden you know his shifts all pop up right and it's so easy to do we didn't have that back then you know what I mean so it's so now it's easy you, you watch Ross Colton for all his 20 games and you're sitting there and of course I've always said that again like analytics is one thing now and I'm not against it I am not uh, I'm just not an expert at it you guys are way better than I am I'm telling you the three of you are I am I would tell you like on a scale of one to ten I'm like in the bottom three you know what I mean like, I'm not I'm not good uh, but I always said that having lived it having been in the coaching side of things having been a player and having been in management like there's, there's, there's a few ways to look at a game um, and you could have four guys that like all of us here that know hockey, that are fans and that are involved in it and that watch the game. If you watch it on the press box, uh, Megan's on the press box, it's a totally different view than if I watch it on TV. And it's a different view than if you watch it from the bench. And it, the, the, I mean, I, I'm a Hall of Famer. Like you said, I was a journeyman. I'm a Hall of Famer from the press box. That game's so easy from out there. Like, oh, my God. Like, It's just like, why didn't you see him? Oh, my God. You see everything develop. And then on TV, uh, you know, it's like, woof, okay. And then you don't catch really a lot of what's going on behind. And then sure. obviously being on the bench, what people don't realize is this game's so fast and, and you're playing on little, you know, whatever, very yeah. small, like, metal things that you're gliding you and someone's trying to hit you and then <laughs> yeah. it's like flying everywhere and it's hard i tell youth hockey parents all the time like it's hard like hockey's a simple game but it's not easy it's not like it's just not and it's it's and i would find myself working with the abs or other teams like all of a sudden i'd be like i can't watch this game up here anymore i gotta go watch a game down low and you go by the zambo and you watch the game then you're like oh, okay yeah these guys are good <laughs> oh, yeah, they're good you know what i mean because it's a different perspective from down there so i think analytics falls into that and i think that talking with people around press boxes and around your contacts throughout the league and help you understand more you know what a guy can bring you know to a locker room because you're right you can't measure it it's a it, it's not measurable analytics wise well if you're looking for a game easier than hockey check out splash sports where you can join the dnvr weekly pick x contest and win yourself real money Go to splashsports.com slash DNVR and sign up today. Deposit some cash to get started. Again, you can enter DNVR's weekly NFL Pick'em Contest, or you can go to anyone else's out there. You can run your own through Splash Sports if that's what you want to do. DNVR's one has some big prizes. It's a $20 weekly Pick'em Contest in the NFL. First prize gets $7,500. Second place, two grand. Third place, a grand. You're winning big money. That's, that's real amounts of money right there that you can win with us and Splash Sports. So go check them out if you haven't been over there. Like I said, if you want to run your own contest, Splash can do that as well. You can absolutely set up all of your stuff as a commissioner there through their link. Again, SplashSports.com slash DNVR. They'll run all of the behind-the-scenes stuff for you, make your life super easy. Uh, go check them out. Uh, super stoked to be with these guys. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. We're going to have NBA ones, and I think we're going to do some NHL ones as the as the year goes on, too. So you'll be able to get in on all the fun no matter what sport you're trying to pick. Uh, check them out again, splashsports.com slash DNVR. And then a couple questions here. First, we ask everyone on the show their bad food take. It's a food you like that other people would think is gross. 
Uh, for example, I like mayonnaise on burritos. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. We had some other people come on that like mustard on pizza. Something like that. Is there a bad food take? Bonus points if it's from your playing days. Well, I mean, I'm a cheese guy. So I put cheese on everything. So, I mean, I, 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 and, and I like where I'm from in Canada, and my wife thinks it's the grossest thing in the world, is those poutines. You know what I mean? Like, so Delicious. Up, I, know, I think it's the best <laughs> thing in the world, and it's like, why would you put gravy and cheese on your fries? And it's like, oh, you know, it's the best thing in the world. So a lot of Americans don't understand what poutine is. You know what I mean? And then, but for me, it's uh, that probably I just put cheese on anything, and I'm, I'll put cheese on Chinese food. I'll put cheese on. All right, that's weird. It does weird. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. And everybody looks at me in the house like, I'm like, yeah, why not? Just put it, it in the oven, melt like it. Like any so. kind of cheese or like cheddar? Well, oh, I'm like a big like cheese. I'll, I'll go with the Swiss, like Swiss cheese, you know, like Rockland cheese and you know, all that kind of weird <laughs> cheese. I like that, you know, so I, that would be my, my weird like food thing. Yeah. Swiss cheese on Chinese food is kind of weird. It's a little odd. It's a little odd. It's a little odd. On Chinese food. Yeah, it's not good. But I like it, you know. I don't know if I've heard a worse one than Kyle Quincy's when he said that he ate tuna and yogurt. Oh, yeah, that's. I literally that's think tough. about it every day. <laughs> I don't bad. until you mention every that food day. Takes, I think and that about is it. Number one weird taste. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> You're it not was, at the top of the it list. Was a pretty, You're good. Like just trying to get protein and yeah. nutrients yeah. in one single setting but on a budget. Taste-wise, oh, but the taste yeah. is Can so tuna, hard to get yeah. past. <laughs> uh, the other side of this, when you were playing, you guys didn't have AG one. <laughs> Today. You can get athletic greens to recover from a hockey game. Oh, wow. To get yourself into the weight room, to be looking good, to be feeling good. Check them out today at drinkag1.com slash avalanche to order yours. Uh, they've got 75 different vitamins and minerals in them, a bunch of uh, probiotics, adaptogens, and all sorts of other good stuff. Lots of athletes do use it as part of their daily routine. It's good for your immune system. It can boost you there. And it's super easy. It's just one scoop of water, uh, one scoop in your cup of water, Every morning, you drink it, you're good to go, you're energized for your day. Uh, you win, you order, you can also get a year's supply of vitamin D with your purchase and five travel packs, so you can take AG1 with you when you head out on the road. Again, go to drinkag1.com slash avalanche to order today. Let them know we sent you over there. Take control of your health and get AG1. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Anyone else want to touch on his career anymore i feel like the questions i have link parts of his career and experience to present day abs topics. that's where we're headed so, so go off that's, yeah so that's where i think we're headed yeah. so i've been waiting for this i moment. like that <laughs> nag1 by the way there's everywhere in my house my daughter loves that stuff. <laughs> oh let's go yeah, see, I mean, what a it's, natural fit and now uh, but but you said it's a different era you're right it is a different era i mean they have that locker room now they got all those nice quinoa stuff and everything and i'm not that old but like i i'm not that old i'm older but i'm not that old and, and my my uh, first year in la i'm telling you we had a mcdonald's attached to the practice rink and every time we got off the ice there was 30 quarter pounder with cheese and 30 big <laughs> lined up and we would just get undressed and uh, you know again i come from the days that there was about five six seven guys smoking in the laundry room between periods but you know but i'm not that old you know but well, anyway gretzky's alleged Pre-game meal was a hot dog, right? Well, yeah, McDonald's too. McDonald's well, too. Oh okay. yeah, he was scoring 200 points on, <laughs> on, on McDonald's. McDonald's field <laughs> McDonald's. master. Yeah. 
Uh, so, uh, I do want to make this fairly brief. Yep. We'll talk about this for the next eight months. I was gonna say, but this isn't super time sensitive. Yeah. This is all we're going to talk about every day now. We're just excited. But looking at the Avs' current team, yep. obviously they already have one cup. Do you see some dynasty levels in them? The Oilers team that you hate, the Islanders team that you love, are yeah. they capable of getting to that level? I think so. I mean, uh, if you ask me, uh, and you said something about the Oilers, I, I do. I came. I've, I've said it before. Oilers are going to win a Stanley Cup in my book in the next couple seasons. Do I think it's this year? No. I. I and again, we'll talk about this. I think the Avs come out of the West. That's what I think. I'm having lived it back then. Uh, I've been on that team. Uh, obviously, the summer of '96 after they won. Uh, so that '96 '97 season, we did win the President's Trophy. Yeah, we did. Uh, and then we ran out of gas in the playoffs. We did. I am, I am telling you, guys were, were done. They had the 96 World Cup that year, right, that the U.S. Yep. won, beat Canada. Yeah. But uh, anyway, mm -hmm. so it was, um, it, was, uh, it was something. It is something real. It, it's a short summer. It, that summer, it's a, and again, you put the World Cup on top of it for those guys, and then you go have a grueling season. You, you do. Now you feel good about yourself because – you feel good about the way you guys play as a team, and and the next thing you know, you win the uh, you know like the Avs didn't win it this year, obviously because of Boston being crazy, and but they <laughs> did win the division, right? Yep. Obviously, and with all the injuries and and everything that they had, and and somewhere somehow you could just feel it in the building. They're just out of gas and against the the Kraken, right? And I and I do believe that this summer will be good for them. But what I like about that team is the the hunger to win. You have guys like Nate and guys like Kale and guys that have tasted it back then, like the Sackick and the Forsberg, and they wanted it more. And I think these guys want it more. Um, we fell short 97, 98, you know, 96, 97. Obviously, it took a couple seasons after that just to get the right mix again. But but the Avs are in a good mix with all those guys locked in for so many years, you know, like they're their best players. Like I said, Kale, Nate. And the list goes on, but uh, you know, I think they're in a good position to to have a little bit of redemption this year and be ready to go. And and you're gonna feel that hunger again. And I think they'll have a good season. And you know, I do. You know, again, we're not talking prediction, but I do think they'll come out of the West. Do you do you think that the way things ended this last season will almost they've spent all summer just being pissed about it, and they're like when they show up at training camp, they're gonna be like, okay. Now we get to kind of have a redemption tour of, of sorts because it never really felt like their title defense got off the ground. There were problems from day one of training camp. The injuries never ended. And then the season ended. I mean, it was a, that series against Seattle is a total disaster. Like they're, they just, they're just dropping personnel yeah. left and right. I mean, Andrew Cagliano breaks his neck. Darren Helms' career ends. You know, Valve, like, I mean, yeah, everything that happened when Nachushkin kill McCarr gets suspended. Like, it's like an absurd series. Yeah. Uh, from the outside looking in, just like everything that happened, and it—do you think it left such a such a sour taste in their mouth that they've just been sitting on it all summer? Like, okay, let's get let's let's reset this and go at it. Yes, and, and if you go back to the year they won it, right, the season before, I think any interview those guys from day one—that's all they talked about. We're gonna win it this year. It's all or nothing, right? And and there was a mindset. Gabe led the way with that, and. And, and I think if you go back to this past season, you just won it. And every question you're getting is, how was your summer? How was it with the day with the cup? How was it? So you're not really 
mentally driven the same way that oh you know sure these guys want to win again that's not what i'm saying but yeah, the, the edge is just not there and like you said all of a sudden it's human nature everything falls off like I mean, there's always something wrong all year long like there's always someone injured they're never in sync and they're never so you really never have that drive again of like hey this is what we're focusing on we're focusing on winning the cup i think they were you Human nature side of things, they were more focusing on getting through the next game. You know what I mean? Because sometimes at some, at some point, like in January, the personnel was just not very good. Yeah. I mean, there was so many guys. Yeah. And then uh, all the kids came up from, from mm -hmm. Loveland. And it's not, a, you know, inexperienced. And it's, it's easy to say, like, oh, we want to win a cup. But if you've never played a game in the NHL and you're just showing up, you're just all excited to be there. It's not like, oh, yeah, we're winning the cup in two months. You know what I mean? So it's a different mindset. Yeah. And I think that what you're going to see this year is that right you know i think nate you know is going to be hungry and mccarr those guys are going to be hungry and it's going to be let's go back to have that that drive and you know that's that's all that matters every day in practice you know that's all we're doing we're winning the stanley cup you know and i and i think that they have the ingredients and they got the the personnel obviously you know to do it and and again they've upgraded in net since that cup run so you know and that's you know that that's a big thing too and i think that was part of their success last year too after all those injuries you know very quickly we do have a super chat here from the incredible drew 28 dollars saying awesome addition to the dnvr crew can't wait to hear all the insight eric has to offer hope you all uh, are having an awesome summer i can read hopefully this next month flies by and we get back to watching avs dominance really soon well said drew i mean i think the next what week and a half is going to be the hardest part well, because once we get to Vegas and once yeah, rookie camp you're starts, flying yeah, once that. there's no stopping. So that's what we brought on Eric for us for the next 10 days. Get us through. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. No, we're looking forward to the whole season with you. Uh, we will talk a lot more about Colorado uh, and everything. Your views, your takes on it as a player, as a front office guy. I think it'll be really fascinating as the year goes on. We do have to wrap up today's show because the Broncos do have a cool guy coming on their podcast as well. So we got to get out of here. Uh, we are brought to you by Shady Rays. You can get yours at ShadyRays.com. Use code DNVR when you purchase there. Get two pairs or more. You get 50% off your entire order. Rated five stars by over 250,000 people. So they make pretty good sunglasses. Go check them out. And then... If you uh, have ever read into Eric on the ice, you might need to call Bacchus and Shanker <laughs> at 222-2222 after that because he might just run you over. Uh, if you have been injured, though, whether it's a car accident or at work or something like that, Bacchus and Shanker has your back. Go to, go to coloradolaw.net, and they will give you a free consultation. If you have a case, they'll take it on completely for free. You pay nothing until you win your case with these guys. They just want to get you what you deserve. So, again... Give them a call if you've been injured and you are not at fault. The two number will get you to Bacchus and Shanker. And, uh, yeah, get what you deserve. Over a billion dollars won by them for their clients. That's it. We're out of here for the day. We appreciate all of y'all. Get used to Eric on the show because we're doing it all season. It's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, thank you for watching, listening. Give us a like and subscribe. We appreciate that a ton. It helps us out. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>